What's going on, IntelliGamers? It is Wednesday, July 12th, and I am Josh Boykin, founder of IntelliGame.us. Welcome to another edition of IntelliGame Radio. So you might be a little confused because there's IntelliGame Radio during the day. Today I'm going to try interspersing small segments of IG Radio throughout the day as opposed to doing a large batch at the end of the night. Particularly I'm hoping this will help some of my central time zone and east coast folks here in the US of A. By the time I update in the evening on the west coast, I imagine most folks east of me have gone to bed. So. Hopefully you'll enjoy having this content spread throughout the day. So a game of the day project is supposed to work by providing updates every day. And that's not what happened yesterday. So I apologize, but let's go ahead and do game of the day four, which is actually it's Warframe again. Like yesterday, I, as I talked about on the show, was struggling a little bit with some anxiety and wasn't getting as much work done as I wanted. And so I didn't spend a whole lot of time gaming. What I did end up doing was interspersing some of my attempts to work with quick bouts of Warframe. Missions only take a good 10, 15 minutes sometimes to complete. And it was just enough, uh, I guess it provided just enough of a like dopamine burst or a distraction to uh, to get me a little bit refocused. Of course, I, I don't know how refocused I can really call it considering I'm still working on that same piece. Those things said, um, another reason that I call out Warframe yesterday is because I actually started trying to convince a friend of mine to play it. Um, not. I'm not typically the person who wants to throw somebody into a new game because I'm not sure how long I'm going to stick around to play it. And particularly if it means that somebody has to pay $10, $20 or whatever to come in and play the game with me, I get a little nervous about the idea of suggesting that we play it together. But the nice thing about a free-to-play game is that you know, even if we only play it for one session together, nobody's really lost anything other than some time. And so it, it is nice, I, I think I'm going to be looking at free-to-play games more to establish some of those like introductory experiences when you're trying to game with people but you're not sure what games you want to play together. I think that uh, another good one is Brawlhalla, which is sort of like a free-to-play Super Smash Brothers on the PC. Um, but I, I expect that I'll be playing more Warframe in the future. My only drawback with it right now is that I really do care about a game's story, and though the science fiction-laden world of the, the Tenno or whatever in Warframe is kind of interesting, it's not gripping me in the way that I would like, um, and it's not catching me in the way that Final Fantasy XIV has. I'm still working on uh, the Final Fantasy XIV article. Hopefully it'll be posting in the next hour and a half or so, and I'll be talking to you about it here on IntelliGame Radio a little bit later.
Hey, so I wanted to take a couple minutes today to talk about net neutrality. A number of sites on the internet are bringing it up, and I think it's a really important discussion to have. Today, uh, whether you jump onto Facebook or Twitter or Twitch or any number of places, you'll likely see references to links that will give you more information about what net neutrality is and more than likely uh, information about how to put in your standpoint to help stand against net neutrality repeal. Essentially, the idea thus far has been that net neutrality helps protect consumers. That any of the content that is delivered to a consumer through the internet has to be delivered at the same speed regardless of the service provider. With a repeal of net neutrality, internet service providers could determine that they wanted to charge more money to a certain uh, content provider to have their content come through at a faster rate or even just a not diminished rate. Let's pretend that Netflix and Hulu are talking to Verizon. Netflix decides to pay an extra few, millions do few million dollars to Verizon and now Netflix loads faster than Hulu. Maybe Netflix loads significantly faster than Hulu. And naturally as a consumer who cares about both of those services, you're going to be a whole lot less likely to go to Hulu if Netflix is going to load more reliably and faster. Now, the proposed counter argument is that this is not a free market solution, that the government getting involved in handling this administration stifles the amount of investment in the space. But the reason that we have government is to protect consumers in ways that they might not be able to protect themselves. Free market solutions rely on the idea that we can leave that market and move on to another service if something is necessary. If Verizon were to cut a deal with Hulu and say, uh, well, we're going to make Hulu faster and that wasn't something we wanted, then if we could easily jump to another internet service provider, then a free market solution would be, could possibly be viable. But in many places around the United States, there's only one option for high-speed internet, particularly in rural communities. And I believe I had seen a statistic recently that said like 25% of the, of the U.S. still accesses their internet primarily through dial-up. So to pretend that this, this concept of being able to apply a free market solution works here, it, it, it doesn't. Government exists to be able to set up situations that the free market is not incentivized to. And so we have government pass laws and regulations so that we can remain protected as consumers. And I can't help but apply the, that same logic to net neutrality. I know that the situation is more complicated than that, but it's really hard to look at the massive outpouring of public response towards keeping net neutrality and not feel like this is something that we need to speak about. Um, I hope that you will look for more information about net neutrality, not just on how to take action, but also to learn about the arguments for and against so that you can come to your own conclusions. Um, I have to say, based on the research I've done, I have my opinions, which I've obviously voiced here, but um, I think that in addition to learning about net neutrality, um, it does a service to learn about both sides of the debate so that, I mean, because obviously Facebook, Google, Twitch, you know, though we 
use and uh, enjoy these services, they have their own biases too, and there's a reason that they would lobby so hard to make sure that these net neutrality protections stay in place. This is a situation that could cost them millions of dollars in the end if things don't work out their way. So let's not pretend that, <laughs> that these companies are coming into it with an altruistic viewpoint. But it does make sense for us as individuals who are forming opinions to be prepared and to be informed. So do some research on net neutrality today and uh, take a stance because we're using the internet right now to even have this discussion. This is a critical piece of the way that our world is developing and forming. And uh, this is a place where it makes sense to stand up. Looks like we've got a couple call-ins today. Don't forget that if you're listening to the show on Anchor FM, you can use that call-in button to submit your own questions or comments. Let's start with one from Sean Jacobson over at The Way We Play, who was talking a little bit about metrics and the influence that they have on us as content creators. Hey Josh, I just wanted to add to your conversation about numbers and their value, and I think you are totally right about the numbers don't really matter in terms of whether or not you're doing good work. Like if you are, um, if you're mad, if you matter to one person, then you matter and you're doing good work. And I think that that's important to keep in mind. But of course, with major publications there, or even just, you know, um, personalities, a lot of times they're trying to make a living off of this. And if you're doing that, numbers do matter to some extent. If you're making money off of ads, you have to make you have to get enough clicks to make those few cents per click. So you do have to reach a vast audience. But there's people like Danny O'Dwyer who just have to make content that, you know, a, that their specific audience is willing to pay for. So the numbers do matter, but there's different ways of approaching that and, and making that valuable. Thanks for that call in, Sean. And I do think it's fair to have a discussion about business when metrics and numbers show up. On one hand, our own importance and the importance of our art is not signified by our reach. But on the flip side, if we do want to conduct business, then our reach and the metrics that we generate are a part of the equation. I do like the idea of creating systems that rely on smaller amounts of reach to possibly generate more revenue. I believe Danny O'Dwyer uses Patreon, and I like the idea of communities propping themselves up and providing that revenue for a creator to continue working. The number of click-throughs or uh, banner ads that it could take to generate significant amounts of income are pretty rough and increasingly get harder as there are more and more websites out there trying to get a piece of that advertising revenue pie. On the flip side, if we as content consumers can take a more direct role in propping up the art that we love, it makes it easier for those creators to focus on creating more content that we enjoy. For example, Lucy Bellwood, who was on the show just a few days ago, just launched her 100 Demon Dialogues Kickstarter. And I backed that project not only because I'm interested in having the copy of the book, but also because I appreciate her work and want to do what I can to help it be in the world more. 
And I think that though not everyone has the opportunities to add money to the puzzle, the more ways that we can help generate value, whether we're sharing the work of people that we care about or pitching in for Patreons or Kickstarters or just otherwise being more vocal about who we care about, I think that those types of interactions help to make this space more stable and help the communities that we take part in to grow and to be more, well, I already said stable, but you understand what I'm saying. So uh, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next call from a new caller. Hey, Intelligame Radio, how are you? This is Richard Ote in San Diego. Thank you so much for being uh, open and transparent with your process and what you're what you're going through right now and trying to grow and expand your reach. Uh, sure, it's a little bit disheartening for some people and it, it actually to others like myself, it's actually a little bit encouraging. You look at the, the leaderboards and different things on apps and you try to move up the ranks and you know here you are kind of in gaming and looking like you're in the you know lead <clears throat> and yet uh, you're saying it's tough so for others that'll be discouraging for me it's actually encouraging uh, the ones who stick with the grind will will work their way up and and it just reminds us we got to keep creating content worthy of people listening to that will change it all right so keep up the great work and look forward to hearing the next uh, broadcast thank you very much Thanks for that call in, Richard. And of course, being in San Diego, I have to say good luck with Comic-Con. I hope that uh, if you're going, you have a good time. And if not, that the uh, traffic and flood of new people doesn't derail your weekend too much. I really latched on to what you said about creating content that's worthy of our listeners. And I, I think that there's a, there's a real key tenant in trying to make content that provides some way that for your listeners to grow, whether that's giving them an opportunity to know more about you or providing them information to be more successful in life or business or to have a deeper understanding of the media that they consume and love. On one hand, paying attention to the leaderboards, it, it can be a rush, right? And when you are seeing yourself climb the ranks, it provides this reinforcement that is, it, it, I don't know, it feels like there's not a whole lot like it. On the flip side, it can become kind of an addiction, and it also can become a pretty significant downer when the numbers don't seem to be going in your favor. I brought up that struggle that I go through because, particularly as there are more content creators out there, like, there are only so many ladders to be on the top of, right? And I appreciate that services like Anchor, um, and that, you know, podcasting in general has always been quote-unquote free, but as it becomes easier to create content via Facebook, via YouTube, Anchor, you know, there are tons of people who are walking into the space and want to have an influence, who want to make a difference, and plenty more people who want to make a business out of that influence. So I think that it's important to keep that 
to keep that focus on providing content that's worthy of our listeners. I'm, I'm glad you said that, and I um, I hope that folks will latch on to that. I appreciate that you called in here and talked about that, and uh, I hope that Intelligame continues to create content that you feel is is worthy of the listeners. <laughs>